collar social club where white collar meets blue collar and your average joes talk about everything from sports to working on cars to bourbon to cigars to craft beers you name it we talk about it this is your host rev the barber from the world famous main street barbershop daytona beach florida stay tuned to this week's episode Welcome back to the Blue Collar Social Club. This is your host, Rev the Barber, from the world-famous Main Street Barbershop, Daytona Beach, Florida. And this is episode number two. On this week's episode, I'm going to be having Matt Perry on, and we are going to talk about his books, his life, and the different jobs that he does, and how hard of a worker he is. I am so excited to have him on. We have been good friends for many years. He is the host of the Odd Past podcast. He also has the oddpast.com. He is an author, a history teacher, and a sports announcer. And I am so excited to have my friend on for this. Interviewing Matt Perry, a really good friend of mine from Shredo Canova, West Virginia. And he is on the phone with me right now. So we are going to get into this interview. How's it going, Matt? Oh, Rev, I'm doing good, buddy. How are you? Doing great, brother. I have uh, been waiting to do this for a month now, I think. I think we talked about it a month ago about <laughs> getting this together, and I finally got around to it. So, Well, let me, be, let me say that I'm honored to be the first guest on the Blue Collar, and uh, I'm pumped about it, man. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this. So you are probably one of the hardest working guys I know. I would definitely say you are the hardest working guy I know. Um, uh, I don't know anybody that. else that has... I don't know anybody else that has seven jobs. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm going to be, as much as I appreciate the compliment, there's a lot of blue collar workers out there that, that work harder than me. I just happen to, uh, I kind of am a jerk of all trades, as the old joke used to go. I, I, I just kind of do it all. That's, that's a true statement. Everything from teaching school to doing Uber Eats or it was it Grubhub, right? Or DoorDash, DoorDash, that's it. DoorDash, right? yeah, DoorDash. Yeah, so it, it, when you got a that wide a variety of stuff that you do, so you got school teacher, mm-hmm. author, yep, write articles for the newspaper, yep, sports announcer, that's right, <laughs> DoorDash, DoorDash, that's five, and then you, I, I teach, teach Chinese Chinese kids. Yeah, I teach Chinese kids online. That's six. Man, did I give? Man, you telling me I didn't reach seven? I'm sitting here trying to rack my brain. No, that's six. That's Just six. six. Yeah, but, I mean that's still impressive. <laughs> I mean, I well, mean, listen, you know. I, I'm going to tell you. Um, as I told you before we we started recording this, I'm one of these people that I, I know my I know my personal limitations. When I have nothing to do. I freak out. Uh, I, I can't stand not having a task, not having something to do. I, you know, I can't just chill out for weeks and weeks. I can't veg out on the couch. It just drives me crazy. Right. Um, is that part now? I know um, you, you've written some articles on um, mental health and things like that. Um, is that part of your OCD? You think, or is yes. that just yeah? I mean, I, I'll just you know, I, like I told you, I'm an open book, and so. Right. Uh, you know, I, I have been dealing since my teenage years with um, diagnosed mental illness. I have anxiety disorder and I have obsessive compulsive disorder. And so when you add up the anxiety disorder and the OCD together, 
And, you know, sometimes it feels like one of those cartoons back in the day where we right. actually had real cartoons that were funny when like uh, Yosemite Sam would get so pissed off that like his hat would fly off and the steam would come off the top of his head. That's right. what it feels like is going on with me if I don't have something to do. And so I guess it's just a coping mechanism where I just want to go out and do stuff and it helps bring in a little extra money for the family. And so right. no complaints there really. Yeah. I, I find myself, I, I kind of get in that situation too. Cause there's times where I know I should be like, so the other day, for instance, we were playing, me and Zane were playing in the floor. We were playing, mm-hmm. we were playing with his Matchbox cars, and he likes to play this um, a Crash Derby game where, where we play. And, and, but the whole time I'm doing this Crash Derby thing, game, I know there's like eight different things that I need to be doing, whether it's wor- working on web, the website or working on part of the podcast or, or something like that. The whole thing, time, I'm just sitting there trying to play Crash Derby cars with Zane in the floor and the whole time, all I can think about is work. <laughs> well, see, the one... You to shut that off. You need to shut that off because your family comes first. Um, I don't have to tell you that. Right. But I've had, to, I've had to have moments like that when I was, um, you know, when I became a father. Uh, the best times that I have are those little moments. Me and my son like to wrestle a bunch. And so he's big into, like, the WWE and stuff like that. So he'll pretend to be his favorite wrestler. And he'll just beat the hell out of me for 20 minutes. And it's my favorite 20 minutes of the day. Oh, absolutely. Is he still a Finn, a Finn Balor fan? Oh, hell yeah. That's his boy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that. yeah, he was all painted up like Finn Balor. Yeah, wasn't. he's got the doll. Thing. He sleeps with that doll. He loves Finn Balor, man. Good for him. Yeah. I like him, too. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, Finn Balor's a good dude. Dude, those Irish wrestlers, man. I love they're, them. They are something else. So you got four books out. You're working on a book right now. Um Mm-hmm. about your travels you want um how's that going yeah the the book right now um it's completely out of my comfort zone from what i'm used to doing um i have a master's degree in history and so being a history teacher my main job i know we've been talking about you know all the weird jobs i do if i had to list the thing that you know what where i make my money i'm a history teacher at my local middle school where i grew up and i write uh, for the local paper and I'm also the voice of our for mine and yours alma mater high school during football season on the radio. And so that's what brings in the most money, and that's what brings me the most joy in life. Um, I went to broadcasting school for two years before I became a teacher. And so I have that background in journalism, both uh, radio and print. So I could kind of use the stuff that I really enjoyed but didn't want to make a total career out of, and I could have that kind of side job. And so with the books, I started small. I Having a history degree, uh, I wanted to write a local history. And so the town that I grew up in, named Cerrito, West Virginia, was founded as an abolitionist town when Virginia was part of the Confederacy. This was before West Virginia became a state. And so I always thought it was a really cool story how this little dot in Virginia, and it happened to be my hometown, welcomed African Americans with open arms, and they became like this little... Um, this little oasis in a sea of bigotry and slavery. You know what I mean? And I always thought that was a cool story. And so that was my first book. Right. Um, I'm, I've written about uh, Confederate General Albert Gallatin Jenkins. That was a short history. My most substantial book and the one that I'm most proud of is a, uh, a history of the bloody 7th West Virginia Infantry. Um, they fought at Gettysburg. They fought at Antietam. 
I, I had the whole experience doing that book. I, I drove to Antietam. I drove to Gettysburg. I walked the grounds. I stood where they stood. That's and awesome. that it, that was one of those experiences where like it all comes together for you. Yeah, that's the book I have sitting right here beside me, actually. So, and, but, and, and it's a great book. If you all haven't um, checked out Matt Perry's book, he he writes some stories that are page turners. And uh, I'm a reader anyways, but um, The Bloody Seventh is is a is a great book. You won't be able to put it down until you finish it. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Me and me and his family have actually both of our families are from the Cerrito Canova area and, and my family actually helped with the turning Cerrito Canova area into an abolitionist town. Uh, my my uncle was the mayor of Cerrito for thirty years, Mose Napier. And yeah. So it, it's funny because people will well oh you're from West Virginia. That that's a backwoods hick hick area. Mm-hmm. But they don't understand that we are more accepting than most states out of any other state. I mean, especially if you come from the area that we come from. That's what cracks me up so much. You know, and I'm going to get political, and I'm sorry. And if oh, it's God. if it's not cool, I apologize. But we live in an era where they want you to be divided. Right. They, meaning no matter what political party you want to think about, they want you to be divided. And so we have this idea that, oh, you're hillbillies from West Virginia. You must hate African-Americans. You must hate Mexican-Americans. Man, I have never once ever have I seen in person. Now, I'm sure it happens. But going to school with kids of different races, I never saw them picked on because of their race. No, I've never seen that at all, especially being at Spring Valley. I I don't think I'd I'd, we had. We had a few that went to school with us, and whether it was um, African American or, or um, Hispanics, mm-hmm. we, we had a few that went to school with us. I never seen any any racism at, at Spring Valley the whole time I was there. Really, now there might be. Obviously, I'm not, I'm putting out a big blanket here. There's racism everywhere, there but I have found that West Virginians are extremely accepting. You know, we might yeah. we might wear a rebel flag on the back of our shirt. You know, I don't, but you know, right. you might see. You know, Jim Bob driving down the road with his rebel flag, but he doesn't hate you. He's yeah. just proud of maybe his ancestors fought for the Confederacy or whatever. I've I, I've seen very little racism in my right. time, and that might be rose-colored glasses, but I right. know there's a lot worse places in this country. Uh, we're pretty cool with everybody. Uh, we seem to get along pretty well. Yeah, and it's and Cerritos being a, is a really cool place because you, you got the. Um... The house there that had the um, the Ramsdale house, the Ramsdale house, yes, yeah. that had the the, uh, the underground railroad that went through it, and the the slaves actually stayed in the basement of it. Um, yeah. Give us a little bit of uh, insight on that. That that was a really cool. Since we are talking about the Civil War now, that yeah. was a really cool um, time in Cerrito history. All right, so overall, the underground railroad was a clandestine group of people that ran all the way from where you're at now down in Florida all the way up to Canada. And so the idea was that they are going to help African-Americans escape bondage. Now, this was other African-Americans. It was whites. It was women. It was men. It was every color of the rainbow. These people helped these slaves escape. So what would happen is at the middle of the night, you know, a slave, usually in groups, uh, if they definitely... Um, if they wanted to uh, travel together because the travel was not easy at all. So maybe a group of three or four would run off of a plantation and they would know that there's a nearby safe house and they would get word by that, you know, multiple ways, but they would go to the local safe house and they would stay all day 
in the safe house, wait till the cover of night, and move from safe house to safe house. So by the time you reach Cerrito, West Virginia, we are directly on the Ohio River. And so I always sit and imagine those African Americans that have traveled, maybe from Georgia, maybe from South Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama, you name it, and they get to our little town in West Virginia, and they see that water. And you know the second they get over that water, they're free. We were their last stop of a lot of people on the Underground Railroad. We weren't a big stop because the most popular crossings were down in Newport, Kentucky, over into Cincinnati and different places like that. But for the select few of people that did escape through this uh, winding underground railroad route that ended in Cerrito over to South Point, West Virginia, or South Point, Ohio, excuse me. I just, I, 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 I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I grew up in a town that stood for freedom. I'm glad that we um, survived the civil war <laughs> because it didn't look Absolutely. like this town was going to survive the civil war for a while. And right. so I just, I, I find so much uh, inspiration thinking about those people just, man, we've made it. And that was our little town. That's pretty cool. And, and the Civil War took a, a huge toll on the Cerrito Canova area. You had Virginia Point, which had a fort there that the Union and the Confederacy fought over for numerous years there. Uh, who could control that river at the point of the Big Sandy and the Ohio River? And so mm-hmm. it was a huge point where they need to get supplies up and down both those rivers. And, and so the, the towns took a really... Big, it took a big toll on those two towns. It did. So, yeah, I, I remember that from you know West Virginia history and and them talking about it. And, and that's just crazy how 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 much um, our town really made it in. You know, made the Civil War. Yeah, you know what it what it was really kind of. Yeah. I mean, we it, it, that town being an abolitionist town. Kind of it embodied why the Civil War was happening. You know, part of why the Civil War was happening. Slavery wasn't the complete reason of the Civil War, but it was a big reason. Yeah, for you know, sure. a lot of people like to downplay, you know, John Brown and and his involvement in in what started the Civil War. And you know, yeah, it was about the South wanted more state rights and the North wanted more federal rights. But at the same time, you know, the abolitionist movement was a big driving factor. And West Virginia, being the northern part of West Virginia. Northwest part corner there. Yeah, I mean, the westernmost point in the state. Yeah, we're the westernmost point in the state, and so yep. you know we're right there on the Ohio River, and, yep. and that really is a big part of who we are. And so, so I'm going to get back to something you asked me about, and I apologize that I didn't answer it fully. So you asked me uh, about my latest book, and so Correct. I was, and so when we talk about that, it's completely different from everything I've ever written, because I've written these little histories, you know, and I've written these very um, focused. It's what I'm used to. I get in a library, I pull out books, I go to the National Archives website, and I pull out newspapers. But this one became very personal. Uh, My wife and I, I I married a crazy woman in a good way. (laughs) I I married a crazy woman. Um, the, The stuff she has gotten me into is has changed my life forever in a positive way. She loves to travel, and she just up and does it, man. And so this summer, she said, we, we both had really crappy years at school this year. Right. Um, I had a rough time. Uh, I, I was unhappy with the direction that my career was taking me. Um, right. I, 
I, I've resigned my basketball coaching job because of all the stress and all the drama, and that really wore on me. I was just having a really bad year. And she had a tough year because she had a difficult preschool classroom. And she looks at me and she says, listen, because her mom and her sister were out in California. She said, dad has never seen the national parks of California. Let's drive out to California. I said, you're out of your mind. <laughs> we have three kids. I got kids, four, right. six, 11. Right. My, I, I, you're out of your mind. She <laughs> says, no, we'll just rent. We, we won't fit in the Chevy. So let's just rent a van. Right. Uh, whatever. And so I'm kind of like playing along with her for a day. And all, the next day she's like, I got the van, pack up. I'm like, what? Pack the kids up. <laughs> okay. So she went and got this gigantic cargo van, man. Like, right. And we're, me and her father are pulling out rows of seats. We build a bed. It looks like you're camping in this cargo van. So we build a van down here and we've got blankets. We've got yoga mats. We've got little, I mean, it's crazy. It is crazy. And... <laughs> He buys me an atlas from Exxon, and he hands it to me. He goes, "Here, history boy, take me to the take me to America." He said, "Show me America." It's awesome. And so I get my little highlighter out. And I'm, he's like, "The only rule is we have to fly out to California as fast as possible. We can't have any stops. We've got to drive straight to California. But on the way back, I want you to show me the beauty of this country." Right. I said, "Okay." And so, man, we went on this freaking crazy haul, 40 right. hours straight. The only stop we took was like a cat nap at a gas station. Because we have three <laughs> different drivers. We drive across Kansas, Nebraska, Colorado, you name it. And we end up in Anaheim, California and surprise the rest of the family. And they're like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> and we pull up in like the freaking Beverly Hillbillies van. And we're like, whoa, what's going on? And they're like, your, your stupid asses drove to California. Yeah, we drove to California. <laughs> yeah. By God, we did. By God. <laughs> and so the whole way that we're doing this crazy trip, Amy tells me to start writing down what's going on. And I start yeah. seeing, like, the little things my four-year-old boy Reed's doing. And I start noticing, you know, when you have that long in a car, you, yeah. you kind of – you could let your mind wander. And so the, the fer fermentation of a book starts coming along. But right. it's not what I'm used to. This is very personal. It's a travel right. journey. And it becomes a memoir because when I was sitting here, I was writing a chapter the other day, and it's it's almost finished. But I was yeah. writing a chapter about why, 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 why we did it, and that's a really difficult question to answer. Right. The easy way to say is we did it because we wanted to, or because right. we like to travel. But when I stood and watched the sunrise with my three kids and my wife at Yosemite National Park, oh, that's awesome. That was, I'm not a religious man. That right. is my religion. Right. That's, there's national park rangers named Sheldon Johnson. He's one of the most uh, renowned national park rangers in America. He called the national parks the cathedral of nature. Right. And that's, that's the absolute best. I mean, when you see the beauty that this country holds and you realize that there is a power higher than you, whether it be a god or nature or whatever. But my goodness. And so it became very personal. And I've found that as I'm finishing this first manuscript, that it started off as a lighthearted, funny adventure tale. And yeah. but at the end, it's kind of like not parenting advice because I'm I don't believe in parenting advice. I believe in, you know, survival. You know, um, nobody could tell you how to be the best dad to your kids. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. And nobody could tell me how to be the best dad to my kids. But 
you have to find that within yourself. And so when I was writing this, I'm like, oh, I'm doing something right here. Cause like my girls went rock climbing in Utah and they oh, weren't scared. Yeah. And so I was like, man, I've taught them to be tough, strong willed women, young women. I was proud right. of that. And it just became very personal. And so I'm very excited for it. I don't know what it's going to be called. Um, but it's, it's about my crazy family driving to California and back and all the weird things we did along the way. Yeah, it was so cool, man, because I, I was watching the pictures as you're going. What's really funny is because you had just started that Civil War um, nightly uh, Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Show. And so <laughs> I'm getting into this show, and, and like each night you were getting, getting, and then all of a sudden you disappeared. And you're like, all right, next, tomorrow night, we're going to talk about this. And then two days go by, and Matt hasn't posted anything, hasn't been live. Uh, yeah. And so I'm, I message him, I'm like, Hey, what happened? He goes, oh, well, we just decided to travel across the country. <laughs> and I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, man, I'm, uh, we're on our way to California. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. I was probably in freaking Kansas at that point, and I was contemplating yeah. if, I, if I could jump out of the van and just, and just kill myself right there. Because yeah, that's terrible. Driving through Kansas, and if you have listeners in Kansas, I love you. You're a great people. But your interstate <laughs> – Makes me want to bash my head into the wall. Like it is just corn and wheat. That's all yes. it is. That and Kansas and Nebraska. Gosh, those, those are hard states to get through, man. Yeah, especially like, if you're driving. You're like, I need freaking. I was pounding kickstarts and five hour energies. Like, <laughs> is this ever going to end? Yeah, it never ends. Never yeah. ends. So yeah, that was you know. And I'm sorry, I haven't picked. You know, one of the problems with doing as much crap as I do is if I start something and sometimes. I know you enjoyed it, but I was getting less and less listeners. Right. So I just kind of took a break from it. And oh, so, yeah. And I, and I completely understood. It was just funny because I was yeah. like, where did Matt go? Yeah. And then all of a sudden I message you and you're like, I'm in, I'm on my way to California. And you may have said you were in Kansas. I I'd have to look have. back at the messages, but it was it was Jesus. funny. Because I always try to support you in everything you're doing because we, yeah. we've been good friends for a long time uh, mm-hmm. playing down there um down the street at Canova Bay Ruth on GF and all that. And it, you know, it's, it, it was a, it, you know, we've known each other for a long time and I, that's yeah. why I was so excited to get you on the podcast and things. And so I always try to, you know, especially with the Timberwolves when you're, when you're now, I, I'll, it, it was crazy. Cause so the, the year before we moved down here, mm-hmm. you all were on the air and that was 2016. And, mm-hmm. and it had, we had a great season. We went all the way to state championship and then the next year, 2017, I'm down in Florida, and they they have no radio. Yeah. Like they had no one pick them up, and so I'm Nobody. stuck down here in Florida with no way to hear what's going on with the games. I'm having to text my brother and find out sc- score results of the game, and I'm like, man, where's where's Matt? Where's Clue? Where's mm-hmm. everybody? Like why why are that why are they not on the radio? And then finally last year, you all got picked back up, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm always I'm if if Spring Valley is on the radio, I am listening. Well, that's just it's one of those things uh, we used to do it. I'll give you a little. I don't know how many people are going to find it interesting about how radio works or high school radio works. But I went to school for two years for radio broadcasting. I I, I had this dream. Uh, other than I wanted to be a professional baseball player, and uh, I realized that yes, I threw heat. In uh, when I was 15, but uh, when you max out in the high 80s, everybody hits the high 80s when you get out of high school and stuff. So uh, that dream faltered, 
and I said, you know, I want to be, I, I want to be the next Marty Brenneman, man. I want to be a radio baseball play-by-play guy. And so that's what I went to Marshall University to do. I love the classes, uh, like the hands-on classes. I love being on the radio. I used to DJ at the radio station 88.1 WMUL. Um, I did some Conference USA reports before uh, Marshall football games. But I just, it was one of those moments where, even though I'm kind of a heads-in-the-clouds guy at times, I said, Matt, there are 30 Major League Baseball teams. Marty Brenneman has been doing this for 40 years. You're not going to be the next Marty Brenneman. You know, and so as much as I like it, and I I didn't want to be a music DJ all the time because they get paid less than teachers do. And so I went, I went to my second love and it's actually my first love. I mean, I love history, but I never thought I'd be able to do something with it. And so my wife looked at me again, meeting this woman was the best thing that ever happened to me because she has had these, you know, these times in your life where you have a fork in the road and she's always pointing me in the right direction. I said, I don't want to do broadcasting anymore. I, I want to get a history degree. She goes, do that, but teach. I said, I don't want to teach. Hell, I, gra- I barely graduated high school with like a 2.3 GPA for crying out loud. <laughs> I don't want to teach. Like, I knew where to skip at Spring Valley, not when to go to class. Like, right. she goes, trust me, you're good with kids You're, you're and you're a natural. And by God, she was right. I right. fell in love with it. And so, long story to get to the broadcasting. Um so I, I have that background, and there's a local radio station that's owned by the county that I teach for. It's a nonprofit, and it's called uh, it's ninety four point one, right? And they would take they would take volunteers. They wanted you to have radio experience, but when you're not paying anybody anything, you know beggars can't be choosers. Right. And so it was a it was a a mom and pop setup, and. Some weeks we were on the air, some weeks we weren't. Some weeks I had a color guy, some weeks we didn't. And it, it became old. It just became old. And so with um, some drama that took place at the radio station, that season you mentioned, nobody was on the air right. with Spring Valley. Well, when you have one of the mo- when you have the one of the most successful at the time football teams in the state that you can't even listen to their ball games, that's right. embarrassing. And especially man. if it's our it's our alma mater, and that's like, man, how freaking, you know, jacked up is yeah. that? You just went to the state championship, and the next yeah. year you're you're not on the air. You're not even on the air. And so that, I was contacted by a great local radio um, corporation called Kindred Communications, and they are truly. I don't know how much people notice, but like, local radio is dying. Yeah. It if is. if you notice, like the iHeart Media, you will listen. Down in Florida, you will listen if you put it on your, you know, top 100 station. We are listening to the same song, same commercial, same things as oh, Key yeah. 100 here. Oh, it there, is the exact same stuff. There is no local radio anymore, and so to have this local radio outfit who's won multiple awards in West Virginia, I mean, they are amazing. Say, hey, man, we want you to be the play-by-play guy. We have made a we've made a deal to bring Spring Valley football to the air. I mean, that's a win-win. I get to do. It's not a career. I only have to work one day a week, and it's something that I wanted to do since I was a kid. I, you know, I wanted to be, you know, Marty in the radio booth in baseball, or I wanted to be like, you know, Keith Jackson, Keith Jackson in oh, the yeah. football booth. And so to get to live out that dream, and it, it's really cool. And so it's the best of both worlds. I love it. And it, it is great hearing you and Clue, and and really, 
the the state should have when it comes to like the state championship game, like you and Clue have to be the the best duo. And and this ain't even me saying it because me and you are like really good friends. Mm-hmm. This is because it's the honest honest truth. You and Clue put more time in studying this game than half the the guys broadcasting the other games around the state. And so you all sound way better. Like there was some times where they had the live feed going. So mm-hmm. and a lot of times you all were doing the live the live stream. They were used in your all's um, audio. There's a couple times that they didn't use your all's audio. I think George Washington was one of the games where they didn't use your all's audio. They used the other guys. Uh-huh. And so I had the the volume turned off on the live stream, and I had you all <laughs> playing because the guys were awful. Well, and I appreciate it. Like so much better, and and it was crazy. It was just like, why didn't you all just use the Spring Valley audio? And not use the George Washington audio. It's the same exact streaming company that we've been using the whole year. What's the cool thing is I appreciate the compliment, but I have to defer to um, the guys that have I've listened to growing up. Like Woody Woodrum does the Huntington games. And oh, Chris yeah, Woody's Taylor. great. Now, now um, I won't take anything away from yeah. Woody. Woody Woodrum, that guy's been doing it for, yeah. for 30 years. And I, then I'll, I'll say this. You guys are on par with Woody. I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. And what he used to, if you remember back, what he used to do the Spring Valley games. Yeah, him and Bill. Him and Bill. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so uh, it it to be able to hang out with these guys that I've listened to forever. You know, Jason Toy, who is the program director at Kendrick Communications, he's the play-by-play voice for the Cabell Midland. He used yeah. to play at Marshall. He's been around here forever. If you don't know his face, you know his voice if you live oh, in yeah. West Virginia. And so to have that um to kind of live a boyhood dream uh, and still be able to keep my career. It's like I said, it's the best of both worlds. I mean, the one of the, I, I don't like the rule that local radio guys can't broadcast the state championship game. But so I couldn't broadcast the state championship game in Wheeling, but right. I did get sideline passes. And so one of my favorite memories, even though we lost is I literally was standing right next to the football team as they took on, uh, as they as they took on and tried to win the um, state championship, and so it was just really cool. It was really cool. Yeah, if the state would actually go up there and do something about the Martinsburg issue, <laughs> we, we might be able to um, have a little bit more competitive of a game. But when when Huntington High played Martinsburg in that nine to six um, game a couple years back in the state championship, I was I think me and Chris were co- yeah I was coaching there that year, mm. and so so I don't have any love for. <laughs> for Martinsburg. <laughs> I think it was the only state championship where the team that scored a touchdown didn't win the game because Martinsburg kicked Martinsburg kicked three field goals and beat us oh, nine to six. Yeah. In that uh in that championship game. If I'm not if my well, memory's that, serving me correctly. When we talk about recruiting in West Virginia high schools, that would be a whole different podcast. <laughs> oh, that is a mess. West Virginia football and recruiting situations. Yeah. And when you got a school that is actually closer to Washington D.C. than it is to the state capital, and the governing board that is in Parkersburg, you have an issue, because yeah. who wants to drive ten hours over to Martinsburg and actually investigate them and find out if they are recruiting yeah. whatever they're doing over there? But that, like you said, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's kind of funny because me and me and Matt both um, call football games. I work with the the semi pro football team here as their general manager and their announcer. And so I always, I, it's funny cause I'll, I'll message Matt and be like, Hey, how'd that sound? 
<laughs> so, yeah, and I'm, you know, I think it's really cool that you got into that because you have the voice for it. I mean, obviously you have this podcast, you sound great. And so when I can um, use my little bit of schooling, and I think I've been doing it for, I don't know, six years total now, when I could just help you just a little bit, it makes me really happy because I think uh, you sound awesome whenever you're doing those games. Thanks, brother. And, and I'll tell you this, this is kind of funny. And I don't, and I didn't tell Matt this before I brought him on. Um, even though Matt's only six months older than me, I've always kind of looked up to Matt, and uh, I really, I'm proud of everything that he's done. And um, I kind of look up to him and just say, well, that's kind of what it, it's not that I'm like, oh, I'm gonna do whatever Matt does. Mm-hmm. Is that's not that's not what I I do. I don't I'm not like that. But um, being friend, I'm I'm like, well, I could probably do that. I'm yeah. going to try it out. I'm, I'm going to see, because like he does the Odd Pass podcast, so he's doing everything about history. And my podcast is more about hardworking guys and um, and their stories. And so it, it, they're completely different podcasts, but it is something where I like I started listening to his podcast, and I've listened to other podcasts, and I was like, well, I, I could probably do that. And so oh, yeah. then I'm, I'm messaging Matt, well, what do I need to do here? Or what, what do I need to do there? And I'm, I'm like, I messaged him earlier today. I'm not bugging you, am I? <laughs> no, you're not bugging me, man. That, you know, I'm glad that um, I can give you a little inspiration for this stuff. But the cool thing is that, like I said, you sound great. Um, I loved the introduction episode, and I, I'm very, very happy that I could come here and help you do episode two. I just hope that uh, the listeners can follow my rambling stories. <laughs> so, I'm telling you what, these stories have been awesome because they're 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 true West Virginian stories. Only yeah. West Virginians can do a true West Virginian goodbye, where we <laughs> where we sit here and you just ramble on for, you know, they they say it's a goodbye at the door. Goodbye at the car. Goodbye halfway down the street. I'm telling you what, my neighbor, this is going to be a rant, but, uh, you know, I've grown up in West Virginia. I'm used to this. But now this might not be a phenomenon anywhere else, but you got the dudes that will stop their car in the middle of the road and talk to the walkers. Yep. Well, my neighbor does it every day. I can't even get to my driveway. I'm like, can you just – because, like, I don't mind. Just get out the way so I can get around you. No, he just stands there. He's got to finish this whole conversation. He's got to tell homeboy, like, what he's having for dinner. you got to tell him when he's taking a crap after dinner. And I'm like, get out the road. Let's go. And that's the the West Virginia goodbye. Because we'll say, hey, see you later. And then as they're leaving, we think of something else. So you have to go out to their car. And then they back out. And as they're getting ready to pull off, they're sitting in the middle of the road. And we walk out there. Hey, roll down your window. I got something else. And then you're standing there for 20 minutes talking to them about who knows what while someone else is behind you honking the horn. Yeah, Aunt Carol's having knee surgery next week. We, we're going to put a prayer chain together. We're going. We're also going to get a potluck up for her dinner. I'm like, Jesus, come on, guys. Yeah, that's what it is. It's, it's crazy. I mean, I Holy wouldn't grow state. up anywhere else. I've been everywhere. I've been to 39 states. I wouldn't grow up anywhere else. But my God, that drives me nuts. It's, it's crazy, man. It's a... Uh, it's one of those things it's only west only in west virginia does that ever happen it's like Uh, it takes 30 minutes to get away to leave someone's house yeah to say bye to somebody is a 30 minute process even if you don't like them yeah even if you don't like them (laughs) because you have to be polite you have to be polite (laughs) well man i'm so i'm so glad that uh, I was able to have you on, and and this has been probably this has been a great episode. I I don't know how I'm going to do number you know make number three live up to this because when number two is this good, <laughs> uh, like I said, I, if they could follow my weird storytelling, it might be okay. But 
<laughs> Excuse me. So we'll see. I pre- listen. I appreciate you having me. Um, like I said, I root you on. You talk about how you root me on. I'm sitting here. I'm just waiting for you to come back so I can have a proper barber back. That's oh, what I'm I know. Because uh, we, we I just about started that. coming to your barber shop, and, and then, then I moved away. to Florida. I yeah, mean, I know. <coughs> it's crazy. I think I did um, Reed's hair like the first week ever before. Haircut. Yeah, his first ever haircut. I did it a week before we moved to Florida. You got my boy's first ever haircut, so special place in my heart. Yeah, I've got. I have a great lady that cuts my hair right now, but I I need I need the male conversation. I need Floyd's Barbershop, my man. Yeah, like that is, and, and that's that's what and I need. And and it, you know, at our at our barbershop there at Eighth Street Barbershop, we had that. It was it was everything you could think of, and and we have that down here at Main Street Main Street Barbershop, the world famous Main Street Barbershop, which has been on on Main Street in Daytona Beach for seventy years now. It is truly that that homegrown barbershop that you could you could only get at, at a small town and, and what's really funny people don't think of daytona as a small town but i'll, I'll tell you this daytona is as small town as uh Sherita or huntington it, it it has that feel to it if you're that's down weird because i would have i would have never imagined that yeah no one ever thinks that but when you look at the population of uh daytona beach it's actually the same size as huntington that's crazy and and it has that feel to it. And, and what makes it people think of it as being that big is the fact that they have the Daytona 500 here. I guess. But, yeah. but as far as a, as far as a city goes, it has that small town feel where everyone knows everybody just like Huntington does. It is so weird. But um, and if you ever get down here to Daytona Beach, I will. De- you got to come by the barber shop and hang out. Well, well, I definitely need the barber shop. I got a horse mane going on right now, so. <laughs> My lady's out of town, so I've got to get all fixed up before school starts. But yeah. you know. Y'all just Hell, need to take one of those crazy road trips again. That's what I was going to say. Hell, I've drove 40 hours one way to surprise somebody. I'll do 16 yeah. for a haircut. Now, your wife <laughs> gets that Your wife gets that from her dad, doesn't she? Didn't you all just oh. take off one time and go watch um, Marshall? Y'all went and watched Marshall and WVU play each other in San Antonio or something. Like, well, no, it was San, San Diego. Diego. Yes. Yeah. All right. Do we have time for that story? Yeah, we have time for it. This is a West Virginia goodbye. We have we have to make it 30 minutes. <laughs> All right. So, hardcore Marshall fan. Uh, Marshall University, my alma mater. Um, we're the we're 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 the little brother. West Virginia beats us in most everything, especially football. It sucks. I hate it. But so two years ago, Marshall has a badass basketball team. They win the conference and they go to March Madness for the first time since I was one year old. So we're looking at each other like we gotta go. That's all we said. We got to go. Well, kicking the nuts, they are placed in the West, and they're playing in San Diego. And I don't have the days off, really, to take off to go flying and all this stuff. So they win their first-round game, a huge upset. They're the 13th seed. They beat Wichita State, the four seed. And they have West Virginia in the second round. Well, my father-in-law, Bub, now the reason... He's got this traveling gene. He used to drive across country because he was best friends with a professional bowler. Now, Roger Workman, who used to run the local uh, bowling alley, he hated to fly. So he would just have bubs like driving to Reno for my tournament this weekend. Okay. Literally, that's what they would do. Right. And so he looks at me and he looks at my brother-in-law, Kelly, who married uh, Amy's sister, looks at me and goes, we're, we're going to San Diego. I said, cool, I'll, I'll see if there's any last-minute flights. He's like, I don't fly, boys. It's like, I don't fly, boys. I'm not doing that. I said, what? 
And he said, we're going to drive, boys. Get your shit packed. <laughs> I said, you're out of your damn mind. That's 40 hours. And this was on a Thursday evening. And so the game was on Sunday. And so he said, well, we got to leave by 11 o'clock. Yeah, I'm not going. Oh you're a crazy gosh. bastard. You're, I'm not going. You're out of your mind. I am not going. It's a basketball game. I watch it on TV. Well, he just keeps going. He's like, what What if they beat West Virginia and you're not there? That's true. It's a true and I'm statement. Like, I'm like, I hate you right now, but you're right. He goes, when are you at? You've, when was the last time Marshall was in the tournament? I was one. Well, you're a 30-year-old man now, son. You're right again. You're right again. And so he's just wearing on me. And I just grab a book bag and I grab like three t-shirts, some underwear, and I go, let's fucking go. <laughs> let's <just> go. <laughs> I'm like, you're out of your mind. But I, when we did it, we did it. We drove across country nonstop. We drove back nonstop. I missed three days of work. I got home at 5.30 on like, let's see, the game was on Sunday. I got home 5.30 on Wednesday morning. I went to work and the kids were like, did you really drive to watch Marshall play in the tournament? Yep. Here's yeah. my picture proof. Here you go. And I'm tired and don't talk to me. I need coffee now. I yeah, need coffee cool. right now. Yeah. You needed a coffee IV at that point. I needed something, but I got through it. So, yeah, that's the crazy crap I do. I've driven to Canada twice on 45 minutes notice. Because of Bub. Because of Bub. <laughs> He has an aunt who was in Canada, and she needed help. Somebody passed away, and it was an awful situation. And he looked at me. He goes, you got your passport? I said, yeah. He goes, we're going to Canada. Pack your shit. And so 45 minutes later, I was driving to Ontario. I'm like, oh my God. this is the life that I'm married into. I'm like, so I've got to see a whole bunch of cool stuff, but there is no like, oh, let's see what hotel we're going to stay at. And blah. No, we sleep in freaking gas station parking lots so we don't get mugged under the lights. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just the only rule I had going to Canada was like, we have to get out of Detroit. I said, get out of Detroit, get out of Detroit, yeah. and then we can. Act. And so, yeah, it's crazy stuff that I've done. Oh, yeah. I, I've done some crazy crap with that man. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. Well, that was a true West Virginia goodbye because that it was, was almost like 15 goodbye. minutes. Yeah, I, I apologize for that. Oh, no, no, that was amazing. It's great. I, I was hoping <laughs> we'd hear that story by the time we finished this thing because. <laughs> Every time, every time I hear of Matt doing something crazy, it's always with Bub. Oh, every time. <laughs> it never fails. Every time, he's a bad influence, but he's my second father, and I love him like my father. I've been blessed with two dads, and yeah. so uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. Absolutely, man. And I'm so, hey, again, I'm so thankful for you coming on, and um, we'll have to do this again sometime. Hey, I'm glad we just got to sit and. Share stories, man. I love it. I hope it Absolutely. translates well onto your podcast, my brother. Absolutely. Hey, I thank you for coming on. We'll have to do this again here real soon. All right. Talk to you later, bud. Talk to you later. We'd like to thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Blue Collar Social Club. Make sure you go check us out on Facebook and Instagram and on our Facebook group and make a suggestion for next week's episode. We thank you all so much for your support, and let's make this a great week.